2: Alright, everybody, it is Thursday, September 22nd, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. Shall be played in its entirety. Well, you'll be, you'll be able to hear it in its entirety once we're wrapped up on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. So, for those listening after the fact on that, welcome. And for those who are here live, thank you very much. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. There is a lot going on, despite the UFC having an off week. A lot going on. Bellator is back tomorrow. All the fighters made wait for Bellator Dublin. Let's be honest. Not the greatest card of all time. It should be okay. The Dublin crowd will make up for the lack of depth on this thing, but Benson Henderson, Peter Queeley is the main event. Y'all Romero fighting Melvin Manhoof is a sentence I'm saying in the year of our Lord 2022, but that is happening. Rest of the card is okay. Liam McCourt, Diana Silva, Mads Brunel, Pedro Carvalho should actually be not bad. Uh, Sierra Clark's going to beat up Rafael Hudson. Brett John's back against Jordan Winsky, and then a lot of Irish talent on the card, as to be expected. But for those who are looking for fights to watch, you have fights to watch. 13 of them tomorrow at the 3 Arena in Dublin. We are coming off of one of the more talked about episodes of Dana White's Contender Series that I can remember. And the big reason is because 17-year-old... Raul Rosas Jr. not only won his fight in pretty dominant fashion, but he got himself a contract to boot. And a lot of people were wondering about this. Would they just outright sign him? Or would they give him a developmental deal? And Dana said, no hesitation. We're just going to lock this dude up and let's see what he could do there. He was very impressed by the skill set, especially at a young age. And I thought he looked fantastic. He, Because Mondo Gutierrez is a really good fighter. The dude is legit. A guy that if he fought most other 135ers, dude had a shot to win and had a good shot to get a contract too, but he just ran into a buzzsaw. And I wonder, because I know he, he did some interviews talking about it that I don't care if I'm fighting a 12-year-old. If I'm fighting a 12-year-old and I'm signed to fight a 12-year-old, I'm going to punch him in the face. I wonder if the 17-year-old thing got to him at all. All the buzz was behind him. So I thought maybe he could be in somewhat good shape that all the buzz was behind the opponent and like literally none of it was on him. But Raul looked great. Almost had some nasty submissions. He told me when we spoke that He's, he was ready for anything. If he was going to finish in 30 seconds, he'd be ready for that. If it was going to go full three, he'd try to finish the fight every second, and that's exactly what he did. So he gets a contract. And Let me just get this out of the way because a lot of people have – I've seen this complaint a lot, and I don't understand why I'm seeing this complaint, so I'm just going to throw it out there. The complaint I'm seeing a lot is how dare the UFC sign this 17-year-old kid but not sign Bo Nickel – off the Contender Series, his first fight. Now, I think we all are aware by now that Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel's signed. Like, there's no way he is not signed. (laughs) Like, he's just, this is basically his developmental deal in a way. Just two fights on the Contender Series. International Fight Week, Bo Nickel was a featured dude out there. He was a featured guy out there. When we were doing our media, like the, the Radio Row thing, Bo Nickel was there the entire first day doing interviews with everybody. So to me, it was like this guy, they already basically signed him to a developmental deal and his two developmental fights are going to be on the Contender Series. There is no way this guy isn't signed. Now, if you want to go back into my old tweets, I also was like, well, I, I think I jumped the gun like a lot of people. It was like, how could you not sign this dude What are we doing here? If I'm Bellator, call this guy up. But then after, you know, kind of thinking about it and understanding what is actually happening, we realize that two things are going on. One, they already got this dude locked up, so there's no need to get all crazy about it. And two, they're just going to put him on another contender series card so that people watch it. And smart move. Bo is going to get a contract. He's going to beat this dude, Donovan Beard, more than likely. And Donovan's not a bad fighter, but he's going to win. It's a perfect style matchup for Bo. And then he's going to get a full-on contract. So I think they already got him locked up. So don't go crazy about this. There's no reason to get upset about this. There's no reason to question anything. They got him locked down. And if he, guess what? If Bo loses somehow, guess what they're going to do? They're going to put him on fight pass to fight somebody else maybe for a fight or two. And then he's going to get a UFC fight after that. But I don't expect him to lose on Tuesday unless something crazy happens, like a freak injury or something. So don't get all caught up in this. Well, I can't believe they signed this 17 year old and not Bo nickel thing. The dude is, the dude's pretty much locked up. He just hasn't had a UFC fight yet. So don't worry about that. The other thing that we can kind of talk about now is something that, sort of developed in the last couple of hours because Kevin Holland doesn't seem very happy right now. Doesn't seem very happy. And in fact, he went on Instagram and I'll pull this up right now and just read it verbatim. It's going to be on an MBA fighting soon. Kevin Holland posted an image that says, quote, had a good run 30 in a little over a month, got paid. I'm out. And then says next career choice with question marks. And, Of course, even though I'm on vacation, I'm like, what the frig is this? So the thread on his story started with a report that D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez, is fighting Neil Magny October 15th, which we have not confirmed this yet. It's a little early to confirm, but I I, I, I will try when the time is right, at least one side, and I know between the rest of the fine folks at MMA fighting, we will figure this out. So... That's how it started. He said, LOL, didn't I just ask for the scrap? That's wild. And then the next one was retired before 30. Now he wants to open up a car club. And just the story continues on. So Kevin Holland is teasing retirement. Of course, I reached out to his team. I have not heard anything back yet. I don't know what to, what to think of this whole thing. <laughs> I would be stunned if he retired. But... Who knows? The guy does have a big chunk of money. He's got a closet full of shoes. He's got cars. He's got... The dude has made... Since the pandemic, he's made really good money. He fought a lot in 2020. He had some main events in 2021. And I know he got paid to fight Hamzat Shemaev. I don't care what anybody says. The dude got paid. He got taken care of very well in that fight. So... The dude has money. So if he wants to retire and pursue other things, he certainly could. I just don't know if he will because I know how much he enjoys fighting. I don't know if this fight just kind of set him over the edge. I don't know that this rumored bout between D-Rod and Neil Magny. But I don't know, man. Weird day. So let's see what you guys have to think about it. We will begin things with Viking MMA. And see what he has to say on this Thursday morning. And then we'll get to as many people as we can today. Because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot to talk about. Viking, hello. What's up, buddy?
3: Just a quick question for you.
4: Mm. Sure. I've been following you on socials for what, um, six months or one year? became a huge fan of your analysis and the other things you're trying to do for animalfighting.com. But at the same time, where wherever on the BTL or the power network of fighting, one of your colleagues is speaking about fighters in a very bad way and supporting his favorite fighters regardless and without seeing the future competition of that, fighters Mm. his favorite fighters Mm. he's saying his part without any responsibility so tell me mike in your eyes is that good for a reporter or a writer working for one of the biggest website on the business or that's just his personal opinions and fans like us we should not consider whoever says stuff like that sitting on a responsible chair as a professional thank you mike
2: Wait, wait, wait. So so, what are you saying? That someone says they have favorite fighters? Or what are you talking about?
4: No, there's that particular person, one of your colleagues, is saying good things about, I mean, supporting his favorite fighters, regardless of what the other fighters are. He's saying that, mm, let me say a name, that when Charles Oliveira was in a no, con- in a, a sort of press conference in London and he was saying that Charles Oliveira is 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 a is mad he' is, he, is, he' is thinking something else about himself and markashev is going to do do this with him and do that for with him and all that he' he's mad and are you getting me? he's He's called. He's name-calling other fighters and supporting his fighters, regardless. I mean, you know who I'm talking about.
2: Okay. Um, uh, thank you, Viking. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I I'm not sure. I, I completely get that. Um, I know. Obviously, there are certain folks on our site who have hot takes, but I don't. And there are certain ones who have been shouting from the rooftops that things were going to happen. Uh, for instance, like, I don't think he's calling out Jed in particular, but Jed has been saying for a long time that Islam Makachev is the best lightweight in the world, and he's going to beat Charles Oliver and he's going to win the title. So Jed doesn't mess around. He just says what's on his mind. And I think a lot of us do to a certain extent. Now, are we out here cheering for fighters on our shows? No. Now, do we have content that has to do with with gambling and betting and where you're placing your money? Sure um, but even then we're not like actively cheering for fighters now there are certain people who have shows at our site who are technically like sort of are a part of the team but are not like a hundred percent part of the team so there are certain people who are like work for the site that aren't journalists per se, but they offer, their advice, they offer their comments about certain fighters and certain fight cards and things like that. So I don't know, like sometimes, sometimes people like the hot takes. Sometimes people don't, but what I say to those people is go watch programming about any other sports and you will see similar things. You will. If a team is not playing well or a quarterback has a crappy game, or people feel like this quarterback is not going to do well against this defense, you're going to say it. Or if the Red Sox are playing terrible, you're going to say the Red Sox are playing terrible, even though you like the, like there are certain fighters like over my career that I've always enjoyed. And this is before I became a journalist, but like I was always a big Frankie Edgar, Mark, like when Frankie Edgar, the only bet I ever placed in MMA and this is before I was, ever started working in the sport, even thinking about working in the sport was Frankie Edgar versus BJ Penn one. And I bet on Frankie at dog buddy to win that fight. And regardless of how you scored it? I was happy that at my, at that time, my favorite fighter, Frankie Edgar, not only won the title, but he cashed an underdog ticket for me, which was the only bet I ever made. Uh, in in with MMA. Now there are things I, I, I do like betting lines and I do look at them, for certain things just to see what I think is valuable at certain times. But yeah, I I don't think anybody of our site like crosses any lines, Uh, any of the journalists that work for the site. I don't think any of us like cross lines or anything like that. I, I think people just have takes, they have reads on things and there are certain gimmicks that have kind of gotten over that, that we play on, but I don't think anybody has crossed that line from journalist to fan. I think we're all fans, but I don't think I'll work favors or disfavors anybody in particular if jed says michael chandler sucks he just he doesn't think michael chandler is a sucky fighter he just thinks michael chandler's a little cheesy and that's his opinion um but he's not going to be out there and like actively root against michael chandler or boo if michael chandler wins or anything like that it's just that's just how it is it's i don't think any lines are crossed that's just that's just my opinion but i appreciate the question Anderson, you're up. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm I'm a little sad about Jose Aldo
5: retiring. I know Marav kind of leaked the news. That last fight, like you always said, was just such a bummer because Aldo did all Aldo things and like it didn't matter and then you lose a close decision. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but I like that he retired before he took too much damage and I like that Nate Diaz seems to have gotten out of the UFC without taking too much damage, and I, I love these guys. And I w- I'm trying to think of things like, trying to think of things they can do after the UFC that won't require them getting too badly beat up, but also we get to see more of their personalities, you know. And like, I had an idea that I think is pretty decent, at least for Nate Diaz, and maybe a couple other guys because, um. Nate and Nick love to do triathlons and Paul Felder does triathlons and I'm sure a bunch of other fighters would do like do it just for fun. What if real fight or one of these fighters organized a triathlon and got like a deal with HBO or something to film like a behind the scenes documentary of the race and like them all training. That's such a gimme. I feel like, and nobody would have to get beat up. Everyone gets paid. So I just wanted to put that idea out into the ether because I would watch that shit. I think that'd be sick so all right just wanted to hear what you thought
2: yeah i mean i i think people would watch that as well i i don't know how many people but i mean anything involving nate or nick is gonna draw views anyway so no matter what they do they could play a game of checkers and a million people are gonna watch them do that so it'd be an interesting idea there's there's lots of stuff you could do I'd love to see like the Diaz brothers play golf against each other. That'd be freaking hilarious. A game of uh, a game of foursquare. Some pickleball, if you will. Uh, Kevin Holland, that we talked about before, has, has wanted to put together shows where they put fighters against each other in, in different types of competition. So, yeah. I have ideas for little competition things I want to do with fighters in the future. It's got to be something that it wouldn't be like more of a sports competition. It would just be like a fun thing. It'd be something that I would want to do. Like if I'm traveling more and we can get venues to host these types of things. Cause I think like, I think I got some cool stuff in mind that I would like to do, but it's just more of, can I get on the road more? Can I build some relationships in different cities across the country? Can we make this happen? How can we make it happen? So it's things that I'm thinking about. Uh, I mean, technically, I'm on vacation right now, but it's basically just to take a step back from everything and just sort of recharge the batteries. But, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I haven't been creeping on the Slack channel or talking to my colleagues. I mean, I was bugging AK last night during the AEW show. So, and just thinking about different things I want to do when I'm ready to return to full-time capabilities. Like, I have all these ideas in mind, but, yeah, if Nate and Nick want to do... Friggin' anything, then I think people will watch it, but um and it might inspire some other people to to run some triathlons or have these different goals in mind. So yeah. Interesting.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Let's go to Roundtable Sports. Hello, Roundtable.
6: Make sure you unmute. Uh, yeah, I just I just wanted to say um, thank you for letting me talk here for a second. Um, along the same conversation here with um, making history in Dublin and things like that. I I just thought over the past couple of weeks, things fell together and it wasn't, you know, the people in charge is, you know, it wasn't their decision, the fights that happened over the past couple of weeks, but just like MMA fans, we got to see some, some really good fights. Like, I don't think Tony wanted to fight Nate. And I don't want to come up with any conspiracy or any grand conspiracy or anything like that. But when that fell together as the main event, that was a good fallback option there. And, and then it continues to progress us into the weeks that we're moving forward to as we push towards, you know, more important fights like Islam versus Bronx.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, it's been an interesting year for the UFC. There's, there's no doubt about that. The 279 build in that fight week will be something we'll be talking about forever, but what did we tell you on this show a long time ago? As soon as Tony was on that card, we were all, myself included, we were all scratching our heads like, what the hell is this? Why is he fighting the leech? I don't understand it. I don't get it. But then, as I, and a lot of other people said this too, I'm not just like, I'm not the only guy on top of the mountain that was screaming this, but... The reason Tony was on this card was for the exact thing that happened. In case, for some reason, Hamzat had travel issues or I don't think we put an eight and a half or seven and a half pound weight miss on the list there, but in case something went down, you had a name that can sell tickets if you need it. And Tony was that guy, which is why when that fight was called, there were no other options. Like I know Nate said the leech would be... He thought the leech in the suit was cool. Would have been a good opportunity for the leech. And it would have been. And it would have been cool to have that happen. I know AK was shouting at the rooftops. Maybe that could happen. We get Nate Diaz versus the leech. But we got Tony, which is the reason he was on this card in the first place. If something were to happen, he gets the hot tag. And he hops up and fights Nate in the main event. And that's what happened. Uh, And that's the fight we got. Now, if you go back and just watch that card on its own, not really understanding what had happened throughout the week. It's not a great card. <laughs> it's, it is not a great card. It's one of probably the bottom third of pay-per-views this year. But when made that card, what it was, was just all the storylines being built in Nate's final fight, the UFC trying to put him out to pasture against this killer at Hamzat Chimaev Hamzat fumbling the bag, the press conference, they shuffle the whole card around, like we felt better about it. We woke up Saturday morning, we're like, "Oh, thank God, we're not seeing Tony versus the Leech, or we're not seeing Hamza versus Nate Diaz. We're getting the card we should have got in the first place." So it was just very strange how it all played out, but it played out the way that it did. The card wasn't, outside. I mean, the build was memorable. The card itself wasn't. Nate got his moment and he gets to ride off into the sunset. But like I said, if you, if none of those storylines were known to anybody and someone just sat a random person in a room and said, hey, we're going to put this card on mute, you just watch these fights. They'd be like, okay, it's cool, but are they going to get that person to, to watch again if they've ever watched before? I don't know if that's the one to show them. There are other cards that would definitely fit that bill. I don't know if this is the one, but... Yeah, it worked out great. We had a lot to talk about. We still have a lot to talk about coming out of that card. We had Vegas 60. We get a week off. Then we got the Vegas 61 event with Jan Jonan and Mackenzie Dern. Then we get another week off. And then we get the Araujo-Alexa Grasso headline card. And then we're on to UFC 280. And that's when things really start to pick up for the UFC because we got that card. We got the Calvin Cater-Arnold Allen card. We got the November 5th card, which has some good fights on it. No main event yet, but hopefully they do the right thing and they, they put Evloyev and Bryce Mitchell in that spot and then it's on to MSG. So it'll be a nice little stretch. Just got to get through these next few weeks and I think we're going to have a nice little run going for us.
3: Let's go to Toke. hear me better. Um, but... Um... I was uh, thinking about, I saw Austin Lane. Uh, he's, he actually, he showed that he's a real fighter. Uh, coming back from losing to Greg Hardy on the Contender Series to, to now being in the UFC, what a turnaround that is for one. Uh, and that's just a comment. Uh, I don't really, you can expand on it if you want, but uh, that, I just wanted to say that. And then the other thing, um, Eddie Alvarez, and you knew this was coming. Uh, so I'm just, uh, gonna ask it. Uh, so what do you think? I don't think he's going to retire here, but I don't really see the fit for him, uh, because he's kind of, he, he would uh, expect a high wage. I would, uh, assume, but he, his run with uh, one, was kind of underwhelming. So what do you see him going for here in this spot? Okay, thank you.
2: Thank you, Tok. Yeah, if you guys weren't aware, uh, Eddie Alvarez and won championship. They have agreed to mutually part ways. Um, Eddie announced it. Shout out to South China Morning News for being the first to report that. Uh, I confirmed with multiple people from one that that is the case as well. Yeah, um, I think it's probably the right move because I just I just don't want to see a world where Eddie Alvarez has to fight Roberto Soldich or something like that because I, I totally understand and I totally see them putting that one together to try to get their new cash cow over against a guy like Eddie Alvarez. So good for him. I don't think he's going to retire either. I don't think he's going back to the UFC. I'd be stunned if he went back to Bellator, but there's definitely value there. I mean, Coker's there now, so maybe they can work something out. But to me, I think it's a two horse race. I don't want to see him in BKFC, but I think he would, I think he would, BKFC would back up the Brinkstruck for him. But I think PFL is probably where he ends up. That'd be my guess. I just think that's the best place for him at this point. Um, He's a name, there's big fights you can have at, at 155 for him against Anthony Pettis or other guys like that. I don't think he'd do tremendous. I I don't think he'd like win the tournament or anything, but I think his name opens up some eyeballs and we'll get more people watching. So if I had to guess, and I have no insight to this whatsoever, uh, it will be, I would say the PFL is going to make a pretty good push for him. But if I'm Bellator, why not? I mean, you got guys that he could fight. He could fight Benson Henderson. He could fight, Other dudes at 155, that would just be a lot of fun. So, yeah. But who knows? I I, I would say the UFC is doubtful. Bellator's a maybe. PFL, I think, has a good chance. And I'd be stunned if BKFC didn't throw a boatload of money at him, even though that wouldn't be my first choice for him at this point. But we'll see. Hopefully, uh, one of us gets to talk to him. Let's go to Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Yeah. Hello. So, right. try again, man. I don't know what happened there. Uh, I could hear you, uh, but try again, Brian. Hello.
0: Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Good. Thanks. I just wanted to touch on um, uh, Rojas Jr. And I know this is like the stereotypical thing to say for the 17 year old kid, but like, there are some big dudes in the Bantamweight division and especially there's so deep, like you have dudes like Montel Jackson, aren't even like really that close to being ranked yet who are just behemoths. So do you think like this guy's actually going to be able to like go step for step when it comes to the grappling realm? Cause there's definitely some skills on him, but if he gets a guy who really knows how to like, shift his weight down on him i i could just see him having tons of problems and i hope the best for the kid because he's obviously super talented but just wanted to get your opinion on that and then also wanted to shout out mike davis uh next week i am so excited for that fight and he's going to knock out uh board chefs in the second round thanks
2: mike thanks man yeah mike davis is it's very good to see him back in the cage just coming off that Incredible war with Mason Jones. It's, it's crazy. Like, Mason Jones has fought out the rest of his contract <laughs> before Mike Davis even got back in the octagon. And I know just from talking to Mike in that interview I've talked about a few times that never got released, that dude was so banged up heading into that fight, and he was like 10 times more banged up heading out of it. Mike Davis, no one really understands <laughs> what this dude has gone through, but... I'll never forget that conversation. I'm I'm mad that it never got released. There's just so much going on at the time that it never saw the light of day. But the one time I interviewed Mike Davis, it was like for 45 minutes and we touched on everything. This guy's road since signing with the UFC has been just unbelievable. The things that have kept him out of the cage and all this other stuff. Man, it's it's just been wild. Yeah, I mean, with Rose's junior, it's... You're going to have to slow roll him. I mean, he's good, and, and I think a lot of Mondo Gutierrez, I think he's a very solid prospect out of the, the Michigan area. He's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. And he he beat him. He beat him. Now, had he continued to listen to his coach and try to keep the fight standing, I still don't think he would have won, but it would have made things a little more close, a little more interesting. But they're not going to throw him in there with the Montel Jacksons of the world right off the bat. They're not going to throw him in there with, you know, e- like like even the Ronnie Lawrences of the world, the Brian Kelleher's. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to... The Mario Batiste... Like, I don't... Uh, rock Kokromanov, we're not going to see him fight any of those kinds of guys. We're going to see him fight. And I don't mean this in, like, a disrespectful way at all. This is just, like, how like my part, he's going to fight like the Daniel Santoses of the world, the Simon Oliveras of the world, the DeMond Blackshears of the world, who are good fighters and who could, all these guys could beat him. You know, Randy, the Randy Costas, the Guido Canetti's, those kinds of guys who are all good. And he's going to be challenged against all of those guys, but they're not going to rush him up the rankings at all. They're going to, they understand they have something here with him. And they're going to make sure he wins as much as possible, or at least put him in a position to win and look as good as possible. Now it's very tough to do in this division because it's just deep as hell. Even the names I mentioned are all very solid guys. Like Chad and Ellinger is a good fighter is like probably the 55th best bantamweight in the world. The journey nuisance, like Randy's a good fighter too. He's probably a top 50 guy. So, I mean, this division is very deep. You have to be careful with how you book him, but, It's going to be a while before we start seeing him in with the Chris Gutierrez's of the world uh, who are on great streaks, who aren't even ranked right now. So they're just going to have to, we're going to probably see some other contender series, Bantamweights more than likely some guys that they bring in for one-offs or, you know, they're just going to have to be very careful with how they build this guy. And four or five years from now, he's just, he's going to fill into that frame a little bit more and he's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. And, I'll be curious to see if he's like what his career looks like. Is it going to be at bantamweight? Is it going to be at featherweight? I don't know, but I'm excited to see. It's it's a good move locking him down, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Do we have Michelle back? Let's try this again. Michelle, are you there? Hello.
7: I don't know what's going on, but Mitch. Yeah. Um, I got you. Yeah. Are you here? here? Go ahead. So my question is about Yael Romero and his fight tomorrow against Malvin. I'm not even gonna butcher his last name. But I was wondering like what if Yael does actually lose. Like, where do you see him going? Because I know that Melvin said that he's retiring after this fight. And I know that he's um Yael Romero has res- um, expressed his feelings towards Jake Paul and um, potentially fighting him as well in boxing. And obviously the money that he can make from that fight, if it does happen, if Jake Paul does beat Anderson Silva. Obviously, I know that's a big week for the um, Paul brothers, obviously, because Logan's fighting Roman Reigns at um, Crown Jewel. I'm a big wrestling fan, so obviously I'm very aware of that. I'm just wondering if Yael Romero does lose, do you think he will retire because he is 46 now and he's not really a spring chicken? Or do you think he has more money to make during the boxing career if he does go down that route? Thank you.
2: Thanks, man. Um, I don't think we're going to see Yael Romero and Jake Paul box anytime soon or ever. Yeah, I'd be stunned. I mean, listen, I, I know that was a headline, but it's not like trust me, I interviewed you Romero myself. I didn't bring up the Jake Paul thing because I'm not going to bring it up with every fighter that I, that I speak with. Cause it's kind of low hanging fruit at this point. But if he offered that up himself, I'd be like, all right, cool. And we'll expand on it. But he doesn't, he, if he's asked about it, he'll, what's he going to do? Say, no, I'm not going to fight that guy and make a big fat bag. Uh, but that fight's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh Nate Diaz is certainly next in line. And then there's going to be other guys. There's going to be other things. And I'm sure Jake's going to want to move up to the box, like, and, and just box actual boxers after the Nate Diaz fight. Or maybe he gets Connor. Like, I think there's certain MMA guys Jake would fight that are big money fights. I like Yoel Romero a lot. He's a freak athlete, but it's not him. He's not that guy. So if he loses, man, I don't know. I mean, he should... I don't love this matchup. I didn't love it the first time around. I feel like Yoel is just going to destroy this man. But we've seen enough of Yoel Romero to also know that this could be an incredibly boring fight. That they just really do nothing. That you all just kinda sits back and waits for Melvin to make a move and then no move is made and we could just have a fifteen minute stalemate. But I don't know. I if he loses, it's very bad. It's very, very bad. If he wins, there's plenty of options. You only you mentioned the age. You got only so I mean Yoel could probably fight for another three or four years, but do we want to see that for another three or four years? There's something there right now. You gotta you gotta milk that cow. So you got the title fight coming up between Corey Anderson and Vadim Nemkoff. You could throw him in the mix there. And Yoel told me he wants to go back to 185. He feels like he's still, today, the best middleweight in the world. So I think there's still some milk there there to squeeze out, but, I mean, not a ton. And it certainly ain't going into Jake Paul's bucket, that's for sure. I don't think that fight interests Jake Paul in any at, at all. It'd be cool for us to be like, hey, Yoel's fighting Jake Paul, but to Jake and to most casual combat sports fans, is that gonna get you to spend sixty dollars to watch Jake Paul box on Showtime pay per view? Probably not. But yeah. But if they offer to him, what the hell is he gonna say? No? Of course he's gonna say yes, but yeah, I don't think that fight happens. Let's go to Juicy Bet.
8: What's up hey you? Mike? How's it going? Good how are you? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, got a couple questions for you. Uh, I'll try to make it quick. First one is tied to um, some of the recent comments we saw from like Floyd Mayweather regarding um, you know you know fighting guys who he's fighting right now at his age. I and mean, he alluded to you know not not fighting guys who hit hard. He, he dropped Conor McGregor's name, um, and then I think McGregor responded with a with a tweet um you know kind of throwing a bit of shade to that and just wanted to get your thoughts on that you know do you think that's you know they're, they're trying to set up a set up a second fight and then my second question is actually tied to the canadian mma scene you know we've had um you know canadian mma fighters have had a bit of a rough going the last few weeks i think uh johan lannes is one of the only ones to actually win in the last uh, little well, jillian robertson as well but Besides that, it seems like, um, you know, sort of the lightning in a bottle that was the Canadian MMA scene back when GSP was, was champ seems to have really fizzled out. And um, just wanted to get your take on it. Obviously, the UFC hasn't been to Canada in the last little bit. There were, I think somebody asked Dana a question about that on the Contender Series. But, um, yeah, just curious to get your, your take on the, you know, where the Canadian MMA scene is out, any, any prospects you like or don't like or um, just any thoughts on that in general.
2: Yeah, man. It's been a, it's been a little bit of an issue for a while, huh? I know the contender series have been trying to get some Canadian guys in there. And I think a few of them got contracts, not all that familiar with a lot of them, but I mean, they've certainly tried, they've certainly tried to get some, and a lot of the good prospects they've given shots to like TJ Laramie. I remember him being a, a very big deal. I remember interviewing him a little while back and just thinking like, man, if this guy can get a shot, like he could talk, he's got a great personality and he was winning fights on the scene. So it's tough, man. Like, I feel like, I feel like it's coming. I just, it's just finding the right person. And I feel like Jillian doesn't, Jillian Roberts is a good fighter and she's breaking all sorts of records. She does have a good personality. If you can just kind of, if you kind of just let her go a little bit, if she can get out of that shell, she is, she is a, a good talker and, and does have a good personality, but it's tough to get her out of that shell. Um, I'm a big Loopy Godinez fan. I know she represents a lot of different areas, so to speak. Like, she got the the ties to Mexico, but a lot of her career has been in Canada. And she got some good buzz because she's fighting, like, all the time. She fought, like, back-to-back cards. And as much as she fights, she's still kind of green, but she's a good personality. She's tough as hell. Her fight IQ, not the best, but these are things that she'll be able to work on. So I don't know. I I don't know if I can pinpoint. I feel like Aaron Jeffrey was a guy that, that could have been that dude for a while. Like, the UFC, like, he was on the Contender Series a bunch. He got a lot of chances. But maybe it just wasn't for him. Maybe the UFC just wasn't the place for him. And he seems to be doing well with Bellator. Went in there and beat the hell out of Austin Vanderford. Just got a nice, big, fat deal with them. So... Maybe he could be the guy. I don't know. But yeah, it's a scene that's still developing and we'll see what happens. And then the Floyd stuff, I mean, say what you will about the man, the man knows how to make a buck. But I will just say this, I have no interest, none, zero, in seeing this second fight with Conor. Like literally none. I could care less. We've seen it before. It's not going to get any better. Floyd beats him every single time. There's never a world in a boxing match where Conor McGregor ever beats Floyd Mayweather. Never, ever, ever going to happen. So I have no interest in watching it. And I have no interest in seeing an exhibition fight between the two. Or any kind of fight. I mean, if Floyd wants to come into MMA and fight Conor, I'll watch the shit out of that. But... I have no interest in seeing them box. It's never going to get better. The build to that first fight was just unbelievable. And if you're a newer fan, I highly recommend you go back and just check out the build to that fight. And if you were a fan long enough to be a part of that whole thing and to see some of the most – some of just the ridiculous takes that came out of this, I will say – like I remember that that build – Very much so because I was just really getting my footing in the – like I was doing interviews and and, and stuff when it came to like combat sports and boxing and stuff like that. But I wasn't really writing all that much. It was basically just an audio guy. I was just doing shows and producing podcasts. That's it. But I got on with Fan sided in like 20 – beginning of 2016 and I got the – I learned how to write a little bit and I remember – that I had a huge project for fan And I had this idea that I was just going to do a beginner's guide to hot takes because you would watch like first take and all these stupid debate shows and skip Bayless would act like he knew about boxing, but he knew nothing about boxing. And then Stephen a would come out and say these things. And it was just like, the things that were coming out of their mouths were ridiculous and people ate them up they were eating them up. And I remember I would go to different bars and like hang out with my buddies. And I would hear these like dudes wearing affliction t-shirts talking about this fight and how Connor was going to win because he was a Southpaw and Floyd didn't know how to deal with Southpaws. And Connor was not a typical boxer. He's a fighter and that Floyd could lose. And I'm just thinking to myself, you people are idiots. And if you want to bet all the money in the world, Tap me on the shoulder. I'm in. I'm back in Floyd all the way. I wrote like a 10,000 word piece about the hot, the stupid hot takes that were coming out from these analysts that people were eating up for lunch. They were taking these takes by the handful and crushing them. And I I got, I mean, I hit it from different angles. This is when Jose and I work in a fan side, and Jose was a big boxing dude. So I asked him about these takes. I asked like a, a dude who was very familiar with Floyd Mayweather boxing guys who not only coached boxers, but coached MMA fighters for boxers. Shane Burgos was a part of it from the MMA side. Like I had all different perspectives on this and that I remember how long that it took me to write that piece took me forever. And I remember when that fight was over, I actually watched it with like a big group of people outside in a backyard and people were saying, Connor's going to win. And I'm like, you're high. You should stop talking. And then they're like, oh, we'll see, we'll see. And then they kept drinking. They kept, after like the first three rounds, it was just, I wanted to leave because these people, like, see, he's already up three rounds, he's already up three rounds. I'm like, eh, is he though? Is he really? Is he really up three rounds right now? Do you understand how scoring and boxing works? You actually have to like connect with punches. And Connor did connect a couple of times, but you had to have known, right? Like when Connor landed that. Connor landed like a big uppercut early in that fight, and Floyd just ate it. It didn't phase him at all. And at that point, if you think Connor's gonna knock out Floyd Mayweather, and Floyd took his best shot and just walked it off, if you still thought that Connor was gonna win, you were out of your damn mind. And then when that fight was over, I just looked at everybody and they were like, oh, I guess you were right. You guess I was right. This is boxing, dude. This is an MMA. It just it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare just being around people talking about that fight. It was horrible. I think a lot of people learned valuable lessons from that fight, but I think we've learned enough lessons to never want to see that again. Let's get Conor back in the friggin' octagon. Let's get him back fighting in the cage. That's what we want. We don't want to see him box Floyd Mayweather. We want to see him go in there and fight Justin Gaethje. We want to see him fight whoever. We want to see him back in the UFC. We don't want to see him box Floyd again. Now, will I watch it if it happens? Sure, because it's my goddamn job, but I don't have any interest in it whatsoever. I might actually take another vacation that week if it gets booked, because I don't want anything to do with it. None. Nothing. It was dumb the first time. Well, it wasn't dumb. From a business perspective, it was brilliant. It was brilliant at the time. It's not brilliant now. Floyd boxing Logan Paul... Was brilliance? That was friggin' brilliance from a business perspective because everybody watched it. It's crazy why ever, that everybody watched it, but they all watched it. Let's get Floyd in there with a bunch of YouTubers. Who Cares? It's a Floyd fight. He's gonna get paid the same amount anyways. Are you really gonna spend eighty five dollars to watch Conor McGregor box Floyd Mayweather again? Would you do that? Some of us are just nuts and would do it. But do you, like, is there any interest? And watching that again, I know we had a show about this a while ago when it was first rumored, and no one was interested in it. It's wild. Hopefully it doesn't happen. I don't think I can deal with that again. Let's go to Zeke. Hello, Zeke. Give us some sane takes. Get me off this Connor <laughs> Floyd stuff.
3: That was funny, Mike. I don't know if you ever come to me for sane takes, but uh, good morning. How are we? Um, Yeah, I just got a little shorter and sweeter than usual, of course. But uh, two things for you. First things first, I think I saw it on MMA Fighting, of course. Great, spectacular news network. Okay, Uh, Kevin Holland, what's going on there? Um, This guy is retiring, not retiring, fake retiring. Did he just get the bag from stepping in to fight Humzat, and he's kind of flexing a little bit? What's going on there? And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just to kind of piggyback and make you feel a little bit better. Let's not have Floyd and Conor Fox and Dana White do something about this. I don't know. I feel like he can't because Conor McGregor, but, but fix this. Bring him back. Okay. Thank you, Mike.
2: Yeah. I mean, Dana could do something about it. Um, hang on one second. Okay. I put that out into the universe. Okay. Um, so the Kevin Holland thing, we talked about this earlier. Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Now, I will say, because this is part of the story, apparently, because what led to this announcement was Kevin Holland posting to his story a fight between Daniel Rodriguez and Neil Magny for October 15th. I have literally seconds ago just been told that is not accurate. Um, it has not been agreed to yet. It's way. It, I, I. It sounds like it's been offered, but it is not agreed to. To report this as happening on this card would be would be premature. That's what I'm told, and this person would not lie to me. And there you go. So maybe this retirement is uh, is for naught. At this point, because it seems like that is the the case. But as of right now, of course, we saw this report. Of course, we're going to look into it. But I am told that that report is inaccurate. Uh, That fight is and I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. But as of right now, the question I asked to the person who would absolutely know the answer to this question, is this fight happening October 15th? Is it accurate? And I am told, no, it is not haven't even agreed to it yet so there you go now how kevin holland deals with this i don't know but that's where we're at right now and i agree let's get connor back in the ufc whenever that can happen
7: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
5: Clearest values. Hello. Mike, how you doing? Good. Um, I just wanted to make short, quick, shout out Chris Avila. His MMA record wasn't great, but he's getting these fights that's going to keep him relevant. Um, You know, staying around, he's going to make a bag and You know, most people that have his record and his fight history probably wouldn't be getting the bag the way that he's going to get it. But he's fighting these YouTubers. He's having a good time. So, yeah, just a shout-out to him.
2: Yeah, man. What's it? Dr. Mike? Is that his name? Dr. Mike? And listen, he should be on this card. This is a brilliant move. This is a brilliant move. And it was a brilliant move to put Chris Avila... On the undercard of the Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul 2 card as well. You want to know why? Because guess who's coming? Nate Diaz is coming. That dude will be in the building. He was in the building in Tampa. And he's in the building anywhere Chris Avila or any of his guys fight. So when Nick Maximoff fights again, guess who's going to be in the building? Nate Diaz is going to be in the building. It's brilliant. It's good for everybody. It's good for Chris. It's good for Nate. It's good for the whole team, and it's good for the Jake Paul business. You want to know why? Because Nate will be in the building. Nate will be there. And I, it was, I always understood that Nate was a star. Always understood that people loved him. But it was not until that card in December in Tampa where I covered that rematch between Paul and Woodley and just understood how big of a star Nate Diaz was. I mean, there were, that place was packed from the beginning. And anywhere Nate walked, he took a thousand pictures. It got to the point where he had to have his own sort of police unit around him. And they would go to like different things. They would walk around and they'd be escorted by a bunch of people because there's just so much. It wasn't like that, but I, I don't think Nate asked for it. I just think people were like, all right. This is getting crazy. We don't want these people to get too out of control. And then you saw that video of Nate doing the the fake punch and the dude spilling his beer all over himself, which is absolutely hilarious. But it got to the point where they had to wheel out drink carts and then block off areas so that Nate and his team could get beers after Chris's fight with Anthony Taylor. It was crazy. The dude is a massive star. Jake Paul is well aware of that. Jake Paul's team is well aware of that. And... Putting Chris in that card does multiple things. It gets Nate in the building. It gets Nate on the TV screens. And it builds up a potential fight between Nate and Jake Paul. It's a brilliant move. It's a brilliant move. If you can get another guy from Nate's team on that card too, you do it. Get that man in the building. And Chris is a good fight. And Chris is good. Chris is, Chris is good. He's, he's fine. And this will be an interesting fight. But smart move for everybody, hundred percent. Let's go to
7: One Toro. Uh, hello, yeah, can you hear me, Mike? I got you, man. How I'm are getting, you? Good. How are you? Um, yeah. Good. So, my question was: uh, Does does the UFC have an issue? Um, so, I was just looking through the rankings one day, uh, well, recently, and I forgot about Max Holloway, and I still noticed that he was he, that he was number one ranked uh, featherweight fighter. Um and well my my really what my realization was that um, does Max Holloway's only motivation for fighting like it can't solely be money. Um and since he's fought the max uh for the championship belt, what is what else can he do? And I, I was real I, I I thought about how boxing has different kind of different belts. You know the IBF belt, I, IBF featherweight belt uh wbc featherweight belt and you know it's like different belts that other that boxers can fight for that their motivation can still be money right so i was wondering um like like what can like what can ufc do or what what's next for max what's next for max holloway because he can't fight the, because he can't fight for the belt anymore that's my question
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting question, but I think Max is, and, and Max has said this a million times, and I've talked about this a lot on the show. There are certain fighters in the UFC and in the sport who don't need titles, and they don't need to have titles attached to them. And one of those guys is Max Holloway. Max doesn't need a belt. He doesn't. He doesn't need to fight for titles. Max is a draw all by himself. There is not one person in this space that complains about Max Holloway fighting anybody. Max doesn't need to fight anymore. He's made a ton of money fighting. He makes a ton of money outside of fighting. The dude's doing what he loves. He's playing freaking video games and hanging out with his family, and he's got sponsorship deals. Like Holloway, if Holloway just retired from MMA today, he would still be a star because everybody knows him from all these different avenues and walks of life. They understand who he is, and he's building a name in the gaming, from with gaming and all that stuff. So Max is going to be just fine, I think. For Max, it's just going to be, it's all competitive for him. It's all competitive. What gets him excited? So to me, I don't know if there's anything at 145 that gets him excited right now because he's fought almost everybody. He's fought Yair. It was a great fight. He fought Brian Ortega. He fought Calvin Cater in one of the greatest performances you'll ever see. He hasn't fought Emmett yet, but I don't think that fight would interest him all that much. Arnold Allen's fighting Cater. Maybe he'd do Zombie. I don't know. He, I, I just don't like maybe the of Mitchell winner if they can have a tremendous showing and cut a promo on him and get him fired up, but. I don't know, man. I think he's just, he's in fun fight territory at this point. Because he doesn't need the belts. He doesn't need to fight for titles at this point. He's not going to fight Volk again because you don't need to see it. Volk wiped the floor with him. It was just a spectacular performance, and Max couldn't do anything. And Max would be the first one to admit that. But he can go up to lightweight and fight tons of guys just in fun fights you can go fight tony at 155 go fight gaichi at 155 go fight a ton of guys just fun fights things that get him excited even after he beat cater he wanted to be in on the because they were doing that silly thing where habib watched 2021 will he come back and every ufc shows we're gonna talk to dana white and get an update on habib Nurmagomedov. is he gonna come back and it was just, tune in next week or tune in after this. I'm trying. I'm trying to get him back. We knew he wasn't coming back. But even Max Holloway was like, yeah, I'll fight him. And Max would have fought him not even for the title. Just, just He understood how good Habib was. What a challenge that would be for him. That's why he wanted it. And Holloway's always been like that. I just want the biggest challenges. I want the things that excite me the most. And that's the kind. those are the kind of fights he's going to get. I don't think he's going to go in and I think he's just, I don't know if he fights anybody again at 145. Why should he just go to 155 and just have fun fights with dudes? That's what I want to see. And that's what I think he's kind of looking at. I don't think there's any rush to get him back. I don't think he's in any rush to get back, but like I said, I think he's in fun fight territory. You could still do him and Connor again. There's juice there. I mean, there's, there's fights for him, but there's, you don't need titles. You don't need belts. You don't need any of that stuff. He's a, he's a, he's a draw by himself. We'll get to everybody here. I promise. Abswalia, are you there? Yeah. Hello. Hello.
9: What's yes, up? Um, I just got um, two questions to ask you. One, you are speaking on Max Holloway. If he goes to one hundred and fifty-five, um, how soon do you think? Let's say if he wins a few of his fights, and depends who he matches up on, how soon do you think he'll get to a title shot there? And my second question is, um, for Usman, right? If he's going to face Leon Edwards, uh, presumably he wins. Do you still think the fight with Hamza Chimaev will be a very big thing, or that whole hype and myst- mystery around it is probably destroyed because of you know the outcome that's already happened at two seventy eight? That's all i have to say. Thanks, man. Hey, what was the first? What was the first name you mentioned? Oh, Max Holloway.
6: Oh, Holloway, yeah.
2: Tim getting, getting back to a
9: title yeah. fight. Okay. Like, like, let's say if he fights, um, like, Michael Chandler, maybe, um, you know, um, Justin Gaethje, just to get a title shot. um, Like, how soon do you think that could happen? Like, like you know, I'll, I'll keep it simple. Let's say if he has a 2-3 win streak, do you think that will be ju- um, enough for him to get a title shot? And obviously the other thing was the Usman-Hamza fight. Like, do you still think it'll yeah. be a very big fight even though, like, you know, now the hype is kind of destroyed because, you know, Leon beat Usman, and we all thought Hamza was going to be the one to do that. Do you still think it'll be a big fight and can do big PPV? That's what I have to say. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I do think that would be a big fight because it, it, we've, we've seen it a million times. We've seen it on BTL. We've seen it from the commenters and things like that. There are people who are just not buying Leon Edwards winning that fight, even though he kicked the man in the face. The amount of crap we got for ranking Leon Edwards higher than Kamara Usman in the pound for pound discussion where we did our rankings was unbelievable. He kicked the man in the face and deaded him in the middle of the cage. What else do you need? I understand that Usman was up three rounds to one on the cards and he was on his way to winning the fight, but he got kicked in the face and knocked dead. What else do you need? It wasn't a fluke. He kicked him in the face. So I, I don't get it. But I think that's a good thing for Usman is that more people feel like he's the better fighter. He just made a quote-unquote mistake and got caught. He took his foot off the gas a little bit. I don't think the hype's gone. And I think it's mostly because of Hamza Chemaev. Somehow, someway, the guy missed weight by seven and a half pounds and he's still the he's the most interesting story in the sport right now. Every show we do, it's... What's next for Hamza? What's he going to do? Is he going to stay at 70? Is he going to stay at 185? Yeah, I think there's still legs there for sure. But we got to get Hamza to fight first. We got to get him a fight at 170. He's got to fight Colby. He's got to fight Colby. There will be no title shot for Hamza at 170 unless he fights Colby. If he goes in there and wipe, it, just destroys Colby and Usman beats Leon... Trust me, the hype will be there for that fight. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But we got to see what Hamzat's going to do. Are they going to book this Colby fight? Are they going to do the Paul Costa fight early next year? I don't know. But I've already laid out how I would do it. December 3rd, Orlando, Florida. You call Derek Brunson, you call Jack Hermanson, and you say, hey, Listen, I know you guys are preparing for this five-round fight December 3rd. We're going to pay you a little extra money for the main event. Don't worry about it. We're still going to give you that pay. We're still going to pay you that same amount. We're going to move you to UFC 282. We're going to move you. Three-round fight. We're going to be on the main card. Final pay-per-view of the year. And I would main events that December 3rd card in Florida. Colby versus Shemayev. That's the main event. You will sell that place out in five seconds. Colby is a baby face already in that situation because of how people view Hamzad. You get Colby in Florida. It's the best case scenario. That's how I would do it. That card is not good. And you're trying to fill an arena. And I understand the UFC brand is very hot right now, but you got to put something in there. Derek Brunson versus Jack Hermanson headlining a card in Orlando, Florida. I know like Brunson's got ties to florida as well because of what kill cliff fc now used to be sanford mma this fight's way bigger this fight's ten thousand times bigger but that's how i would do it but it's just a matter of getting both guys on board and you gotta convince at this point it's not convincing colby to take a fight because i think he would fight him and i've been saying this for a while i think he would have fought him even in july but he was—he's dealing with all the stuff with the Mazda allegations and courts and all that stuff. So, I get that. But I think even after the Shamiya fight with Gilbert Burns, I think Colby would have taken that fight. Now it's just a matter of if Colby's going to prepare for this guy, and he shows up in Orlando and Hamzat misses weight again, then what do you do? Then you're kind of screwed. So you take it a risk, but I think at this point. If he's dead serious about it, I think for that card and that card's sake, and for the division's sake, to fuel the storyline heading into that trilogy fight between Usman and Edwards, you got to have a contender in place. And that's a damn good place to have it. Damn good card to do it. Get a lot of eyeballs on it. But we'll see. And then Max, I don't know. I mean, if Max goes in there and fights Chandler and Gaethje and other dudes and, like, wins three in a row, yeah, maybe sure, they would throw him in there. Why not? But, again, I just don't think he cares all that much about the title, and I just think he wants to go in there and have fun, compelling
10: fights. But we'll see. Terrence, hello. Hey, good morning, Mike. Morning. Um, so, I was calling this just random, but um, in regards to – a lot of fighters have been dealing with like mental health issues and like they've been struggling. Like, I mean, they're human, like all of us, but one thing that I was thinking about is that the UFC PI, they deal with the physical um, and as well, like they also like have like a plan to where they'll feed you and so forth to make sure you're on track with that. But to my knowledge, you don't have anything for like the mental aspect of fighting. I know a lot of fighters or well, some fighters rather take advantage of, uh, sports psychologists and things of that nature. But do you think it would be beneficial for the UFC to have like their own therapists and things like that to make sure that the fighters have their own straight and that they're not struggling with mental health um, issues um, and things of that nature? And one of the last things I want to talk about, I kind of asked um, in like a chat, but it, of course it was running fast, so it probably didn't get looked at. A lot of fighters at 135 for the women's division they can't make weight. Um <clears> then <throat> I'm not talking negative about it, but I was just thinking of to make it positive, you make 135 <clears throat> go up to 146 so that way the women aren't struggling to make weight and you have more fights and less weight misses. I think and hearing from a lot of the fighters they would prefer to fight at 146 if they could, but UFC is being stubborn. Um, but if they just merged it all into one, I think that'll like help out everybody. That's all I got. Thank you.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, like I, I they they probably won't do that. But I don't know. That's that division is just that whole thing is just so strange and weird and bizarre and like what are we even doing here with this division at this point? I think we'll kinda I think we'll kind of get an answer of what the UFC is thinking when it comes to this Aspen Lad situation. Like, are they just going to be like, you're banished from 35 and you're only fighting at 45? Or are they just going to let her go? And if they let her go, then you kind of know, like, they just don't have a lot of plans for this division anymore. I think they kept it alive, thinking they might have had a shot at Kayla Harrison, but I don't think they have a shot at Kayla Harrison. And I didn't think they had a shot at Kayla Harrison to begin with. Because... They're just not going to pay her what these other organizations are going to pay her. Bellator can empty the piggy bank on her. PFL can empty the piggy bank on her. UFC doesn't need to. They don't have to do that. You're only bringing like, Kayla can be a star for them, but you don't have a division. You'd be basically bringing her in for one fight. You're bringing her in to fight Nunes, and that's it. So the money's not there. The opportunities aren't there. The platform's great. It's the best one she can get. But she's just not going to make the money that Bellator, PFL, is going to pay her. So I don't know what they're going to do with this division. But I think with this whole Aspen Lat situation, we'll, we'll get a little more clarity perhaps, but not a ton. And then... The other question with the mental, yeah, they should definitely do that. They should definitely do that. I mean, I don't know if they do or not. So I'm not, I don't want to speak out of turn. Maybe they have something like that in place and I'm just not aware of it. But uh, if they don't, that's definitely something that they should put in place or at least provide some sort of avenue for these fighters to get that kind of help. And I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Like people give the UFC a whole bunch of, sh- of crap and, and stuff, and a lot of it is rightfully deserved, 100%. But most fighters that I've talked to when it comes to some of that stuff, they usually can come through or at least have, will be able to guide them in the right direction. So I assume there's got to be something like that in place. Uh, I've never heard, at least to my knowledge, a fighter saying that they haven't helped in that type of scenario. But again, I don't know a ton about it. But they if they don't have one, they absolutely should have something. That's for sure. Average Avenues, hello. Good.
4: Up with a new question because freaking toast online. <laughs> um, <laughs> just nice and simple. Um what's next for Sarah McMahon? All right, have have a good day, man. Cheers. Uh,
2: that's a great question. So the UFC roster bot put that she was removed from the roster. Uh, our own Damon Martin, of course, being the tremendous journalist that he is, reached out to people, and essentially they counted this Aspen Lad thing as the final fight on her deal. And she is officially a free agent right now. Uh, Damon Martin says sources close to the one time UFC title challenger confirmed that they find that McMahon had essentially fought out her contract after she was supposed to compete at UFC Vegas 60 before Aspen Ladd failed to make weight. The bout was canceled. McMahon was compensated for the lost fight, but that also served as the last button in her deal, which now allows her to explore other opportunities or she could just as easily ink a new deal to remain with the UFC. So, this is these types of things. I'm glad this is brought up. Um, just to answer. Short and sweet. I think she probably will resign with the UFC, but who knows? Maybe PFL offers her a bunch of money to go fight Kayla, but why would she do that at this point? So I I think she'll probably get back. Who knows? Maybe she'll sign with Bellator and be a featherweight, fight Cyborg or whoever, if they could figure that whole thing out. But this this is like a a good learning lesson for everybody because – It is important with these types of situations now that we have like the roster bot and we have people really paying attention to these things, that it's important to contextualize what these things mean. So for instance, this type of situation, and there was another one that came up recently, Mickey Gall, Mickey Gall and all of that. Okay. It's important to note that there's a difference between being released And just fighting out your contract. Because I was seeing reports out there, Mickey Gall released by the UFC. It's not true. It's not true. I saw reports Sarah McMahon released from the UFC. Also not true. She wasn't released. Mickey Gall was not released. Mickey fought out his deal. He's probably going to re-sign with the UFC. He just doesn't have a contract right now. And for the most part, it's because he doesn't have a fight right now. So once they offer him an opponent... They're gonna they're gonna keep Mickey around. Mickey's still a name. Dude fights. It's getting better. It's not probably gonna be a champion or anything, but Mickey's got a following and people like Mickey Gall, so he will probably resign. But it's just a difference. Like there are flat out releases, and there are people who get cut, and then there's just people who fight out their deal and are in negotiations to sign a new one, or maybe there are free agencies. So there's a difference between being released and quote unquote, parting ways. Um, But even Mickey didn't part ways. Mickey just, he fought out his deal and he's renegotiating, re-signing with with the promotion. So it's important to kind of note the difference between the two. And that roster bot pays attention to that stuff and they'll put that red X up there and it's immediately, uh uh-oh, so-and-so got released. And there are certainly cases where that is the moral of the story. In this case, and in the Mickey Gall case, not true. It's just their contract's expired. They fought out their deals. They can choose to go into free agency, or they can choose to just agree to a deal in principle, and then once a fight gets offered, then they sign a new deal. So, yeah, little little learning lesson. I saw that a lot, and a lot of people are asking about that. So uh, we got Cleve, then we'll go to Tristan, then we'll go to Jackson, then we get to get out of here. Cleve, hello.
9: Hello. Hello, can you hear me?
2: Yep, I got gotcha. you. Cleve. Cleve is gone. Tristan. Tristan, are you there? Yes, I'm
11: here. Can you hear me? Hello, sir. Yes. Yeah. Um, just to piggyback on the Canadian scene, um, the person I'm surprised you didn't bring up was Anthony Romero. Um, I remember that day when he didn't get a contract and you were annoyed and I was annoyed and you said your piece about it and I was glad that you did. And um, listen, I'm Anthony Romero should have been on the Dana White He should have been invited back, to be honest. But I, I guess it really, the way, I guess the way Dana saw him fight that he felt like you're supposed to finish the guy right then and there, you had your opportunities and just turned Dana White off, which is just, I shake my head every time. Like, come on, man. Now, my expectation next year, next, Dana White contingency is 2023. I expect him to be, uh, hopefully he gets invited back. I'm praying that he does. The guy's a good fighter, man. I don't care what anybody says. That guy should be a UFC fighter right now as we speak, okay? Guy fought in April, fought, what, April 24th um, on uh, Fury FC with a flying knee, just beautiful. And that's my thing, man. Anthony Romero should be in the UFC right now. And I think he would be a I, I think he'd be a great addition to the UFC and, and a great upcoming prospect for the Canadian scene as well. Listen, man, the guy idolized GSP, and you know he's just very technical. Just the way he fights, he's not going to put himself in in harm's way to get knocked out. Just not that's not how he works. You know, you ain't killing. You know, Volkanasi is very technical and he's the best fighter in the world. So come on. What are we doing here? So that's my piece about Your thoughts about it, Mike. Thanks.
12: Thank
2: you, Tristan. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm very high on Anthony Romero. But he kind of he kind of painted himself in in a weird corner. And it's not really his fault. It's just there are certain episodes of the show and there are certain fighters that come out of it where Dana will say things, and then Dana will follow it up with, well, if he's that good, then somebody else should sign him. And Dana basically took everybody to task, saying, okay, well, if he's that good, then everybody should be calling him. All these promotions should be, quote-unquote, watching our show, and if we don't sign somebody and they're that good, they should be calling and signing them. No one has apparently called. I mean, I, I, maybe they have. But I know I've talked to Anthony a few times, and it's he's basically UFC or bust at this point. I don't know if Bellator's trying to reach out to him. I don't know if PFL's trying to reach out to him. But if I'm him, like I'm definitely entertaining a PFL phone call. Are you kidding me? Chance to win a million dollars? I would definitely entertain that call. How old is he right now? Romero is 25. He's still got time. The the thing is, too, since that fight, he won a split decision against a guy he was heavily favored over. Then he lost a split decision. I actually thought he won that fight against JJ Okanovich. But he was a minus 640 against Zach Jusela and won a split decision. Not good. And that was on, and they put him on an LFA card. So I mean they gave him a chance. He was there. He was in a Coleman event spot, and he didn't dazzle. Then he goes to Fury, loses a split decision. I thought he won that fight. But again, it wasn't like a dominant showing. Nico Echeverry, that was a good dominant win. And then he got a finish against a guy who was 10-9, and 9, who's now a 500 fighter. I mean, I think he's talented as hell. But there's apparently just something missing. And I, I can't really pinpoint it i don't know i don't get it i don't really get it i'm I'm stunned he didn't get another chance but who knows maybe maybe they did give him a chance maybe they called him and he was just like no from here on out like you i'm just getting straight signed and that's it he's betting on himself so i don't know he's a guy i probably have to reach out to and see what's going on with that but i mean he's close Getting a flying knee finish is great. Get a couple more. Go out there and cut I guarantee you if he goes out and fights once or twice more this year, or gets a fight before the end of the year and then fights against next fights again next year and finishes all those fights, he's probably getting a shot. But you gotta go out and finish, man. Like that's that's the knock that Dana had on him and that the matchmakers had on him. He's not going out there and finishing. Let's look at his pro career. Peter San Antonio, King of the Cage. Decision. Sean Felton, decision. Got a submission in his third fight. Decision. Finish. Decision. Finish. And then it's decision, decision, loses decision, wins a decision, finish. Got to go out there and finish, man. That's what they want. That's what that show's all about. And I like Anthony. I think he's good. but I don't, And even if he does get signed, like, is he going to be the next big star? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's kind of a mystery, though. Jackson, hello.
12: Hey, good morning, Mike. Um, hey. Sorry, I had to clock out for a little bit because a dog was attacking me, so I don't know what y'all have been talking about too much, but uh, hopefully y'all ain't talked too much about Bo Nickel, because here's my thing. I think, assuming he does the same thing he did last time, stomps over this dude on Tuesday, I know you, you probably don't do you know much matchmaking for a contender series like Um, Y'all usually do for the other cards. Who do you want to see him fight next? Because I think at this point, he's with a good team. I mean, as far as just combat experience and wrestling, stuff like that, he's got experience. I don't want to see a slow roll on Bo Nickel like they're doing with this two-contender series nonsense. Just I want to see him fight big names and get up there quick. Because I think, I mean, if it was him versus Alex Pereira, I'd pick him right now. I mean, I think he can fight with some of the top guys. You know, anyone who's not an elite wrestler is going to have problems with him. Um, where do you want to see him fight, assuming he dog walks this dude on Tuesday? That's it, Mike. Have a good morning. Glad to talk to you.
2: Thanks, man. So we we t- kind of touched on this with the Raul Roses Jr. thing, about the outroar, the outcry that has got signed, but Nickel didn't. And I am basically just clarifying that he's pretty much under lock and key with the UFC right now. This is basically his developmental deal, just two fights in the Contender Series. He's going to win, and then they're going to say, you got a contract, but at the same token, he's already like kind of got a contract. So, <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. There's a lot of intrigue to this guy. And we think he could just... Right now, go in there with his wrestling credentials and just kill most of the guys in the top 15 right now. And maybe that's true. But are you willing to take that risk this quickly? Now, I'm not saying throw him in there to fight Alan Amadovsky because we just saw what happened when he fought Joe Pfeiffer. So we don't need to see that. But there are good guys in this division, like some decent guys coming off wins that are that are... Okay. Like Joseph Holmes fighting Jun Young Park. Trayson Gore is fighting Josh Fremd. Like these are guys that you should he should be fighting. These are the guys. And I'm not saying do this every time. I'm not saying just throw him in with the top 60 middleweight five times in a row. But give him a couple. Give him a couple. And then if he wins those couple, if he treats these guys accordingly, because he's going to be like a minus six hundred favorite against all of them then we move him up and we build him up that way. I get it. Like, I I don't feel like we need to slow roll him as much as we need to slow roll roses. Jr. As good as Raul roses, Jr. Looked on Tuesday. There's a lot of holes. He made some mistakes. I think he'll even admit that himself. I'm supposed to be talking to him next week, by the way. So we'll get more on how he viewed the fight itself. But I guess a controlled slow roll would be the way to go. Couple fights, then give him a decent step up. He passes that test, give him another decent step up. Three or four fights outside the top 15 for sure. But if he just, I mean, if he goes in there at like his third or fourth fight, he fights Gregory Rodriguez and just starches Gregory Rodriguez, runs his ass over, then yeah, give him a top 15 guy from there, but... We don't need to throw him. I don't think we need to throw him in there with Greg Rodriguez like right away because you don't need to. You just, we're trying to build, build this dude up. We're trying to get him. It's okay. It's okay to have the occasional quote unquote squash match. That's why Joe Pfeiffer fought Alan Amadovsky. We knew it was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. And the UFC is very good at building guys the right way. They are good at it. They are good. Look what they've done with. Look what they've done with Alex Pereira. This has been, it was picture perfect matchmaking. Picture perfect. It's beautiful. It's exactly how you have to do it. But yeah, I'm kind of in the I'm kind of in the don't rush him too much role, but let's not we could take the training wheels. We could take the training wheels off if that makes sense. All right, we'll get to these last three. And I can get ready for BTL. Cleve, hello. Hey, how you doing, man? We have you. Good. Hey, I
0: was going to ask about what the next big pay-per-view fight is, what? Oliver versus uh, Mike Makhachev, right? And um, I just wanted to get your predictions yep. on that. And do you? Th- uh, I know everybody's talking about Hamzat fighting Kobe next. I think that's a great matchup. Do you think that Hamzat will be able to handle Kobe's wrestling and overall pressure because we know Hamza like to pressure people but if you can can he do that with Kobe and I know everybody's all crazy about how he dominated Kevin Holland who's had trouble with wrestlers in the past as well but do you think he, he'll be able to swarm Kobe like that and that's very much said. it
2: uh, thanks man yeah the Olivera one's tough Olivera Makachev I haven't made a prediction yet I'm leaning Oliveira. That's kind of like my like preliminary pick, but uh, I could be terribly wrong. It could be terribly wrong, but I just feel like he's on such a roll right now. I feel like things are just falling into place for him in, in a number of ways. But I mean, if Makachev went in there and won a 50-45 decision, it wouldn't stun me. But right now I'm leaning Makachev. I mean, uh, excuse me, I'm leaning Oliveira, but could be wrong. And yeah, I think the questions you just asked are why the fight between Hamza and Colby is the one to make. And why, if we're going to push him as a welterweight, is he ready for the Kamara Usmans of the world? That's why you got to make that fight. So, I don't, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's like the way I view most Shemaya fights, and I will view this this way moving forward, and I viewed it. The same way with Kevin Holland. Because I actually went out and I said it into a live microphone that Ke- I picked Kevin Holland to beat Hamza Shemaev. And it wasn't because I thought Holland was the better fighter. Because what Hamza does well, he does incredibly well. I picked Kevin Holland in that spot because Shemaev had a horrible week. He was, seemed like he was losing between his ears a little bit. And he was just a little feisty. And if Kevin Holland could survive that early swarm and start running his mouth to get under Hamzat's skin and the fight got extended to get Hamzat to fight outside of himself, maybe Holland kicks him upside his face. It was, it was something that had to get into the championship rounds. But to me, it was worth like a a dog look considering how the rest of the week had gone for Shemaev fumbling the bag, Everything that hit, that happened to him that week. It was worth a dog look for me. I was terribly wrong, and I was the first one to say I was terribly wrong, but it was worth a shot. I, there was value in Holland. Of course, he had to get out of the first round and maybe the second, which wasn't easy, but had he done so, could have been a different fight. Now, he could do that to Colby too. But what if he doesn't? And I think that's going to be the question we're going to have about Hamzad with all of his fights moving forward. But yeah, that's the one I want to see. M, hello.
3: Hello, Mike, how are you? Good, Good morning. I just have a question. Um,
4: uh, UFC 280, did you see uh, they put uh, Sean Brady and uh, Bilal Muhammad in the prelims? And they put Shukagin? I think it doesn't make sense because those two are bigger names than the the, the two ladies who are fighting in the in the main card. Or are they just UFC uh, is just getting a, uh, giving a quota to women right now? Or, or what?
3: Well, how do you explain it? Thank you.
2: Uh, interesting. Okay, so I'm looking at I'm looking at the website right now, and they have fights like in a certain order, but it. They don't have it, like, separated as, like, what's on the main card and what isn't. But as it looks right out, this is what we're to believe the card is going to look like. Got the two title fights, Yano O'Malley in the featured bout, Darius Gamrod, second fight on the main card, and then Chikage and Fioro opens the main. I don't have a huge issue with that, only because the... St- you can make a strong case that the stakes, there are higher stakes in the Chukagan fioro fight than the Balamahad-Sean Brady fight. Because if if Fioro wins, she's definitely getting a title shot. There's no doubt. She's fighting Valentina Shevchenko next if she wins. And if Chikagan wins, I mean, we're starting to run out of people for Valentina to fight. So, I, I don't know. Maybe they do that, but at the same token... I'm curious to see how this is all going to be televised as well. Will this prelim card, because it is going to be like a prime time-ish kind of a thing, like the way they ABC has always sort of aired combat sports over the years, if they simulcast that, that slate of prelims on ESPN and ABC, then you can make a compelling case that the Muhammad Brady fight is actually in a better spot than Chikagian and Fiora because you get it for free and more eyeballs are going to be on that fight than anything else. I actually don't mind it being on the feature prelim. I think you get flip flop I don't have like, if that's how they end up, I don't have a big problem with it because there are high stakes in that women's flyweight fight. No doubt about it. Fiora is fighting for a title shot and Chikagian is, I don't know if she'll get a title fight because we, but I mean she, she keeps winning she's going out there and she keeps winning fights so yeah put Muhammad Brady that's not a bad spot to be in the featured prelim on ESPN maybe ABC as well if that's the case that's a really good spot for them and that's a really interesting fight alright we'll go DJ then a hit and then I gotta go DJ hello DJ. Unmute. All right. Ahead. Take us home, my man. Ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. So, basically, right, let's talk about Rosas Jr. What it is, it's like I. So what it is is with Rosas Junior. Is this right? everyone's mad at Dana. Oh, what happened to hid? Golly. All right, we'll get diamonds in here. I don't know what happened to a hid. We'll have to table that, I think, for tomorrow. Maybe Diamonds can get in here, but that wheel is spinning. Diamonds, are you there? Hello. What's up? Are good. How you doing? Good. What do you got for us?
4: I'm new, so
12: uh, I want to ask about McGregor. What about him?
4: Yeah, I want to know about him. You know a lot about him.
2: You want to know about, like, more about the man himself? Yeah. Or, like, when he's going to come back? Yeah. What do you think? What do you, what do you want to know?
4: Yeah, that's right.
2: All right. Um, I mean, if you want to learn about McGregor, mafighting.com slash Connor McGregor. You'll probably find everything you need to know. Uh, it's probably 17,000 articles on Connor McGregor there. So, uh, good to go there. You can go to Wikipedia. As far as when he comes back, I have no friggin' idea. I just hope it's not against Floyd Mayweather and there's another stupid boxing match. But I think he'll fight in the Octagon next year. From all indications, he's only got two fights left in his deal. Uh, so if I'm Conor and we're seeing what Nate Diaz is doing right now, I'm getting in, the, in and out of there. I'm getting those two fights done and going on my merry way. And seeing what else is out there. But it's hard to pinpoint an opponent. There's just too many unknowns. But do I think he'll fight next year in the UFC? Yes, I do. Okay, I have to go. Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go. I've been here for an hour and a half. I didn't think I'd be here this long. But uh, BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be Jed Mishu versus Jose Youngs. Some more MMA fighting, infighting. Should be fun. We're going to talk about Jose Aldo's retirements. We're going to talk about the fallout of UFC Vegas 60. We'll talk a little Bellator. And we'll probably have a fun little final round as well. Uh, plus, I'll be making it, a big announcement for BTL. And it has to do with my undisputed BTL title that I hold right now as the host of the show. So that'll that announcement coming at the end of the program, But that is not the announcement. That announcement about the BTL title and my role as champion will only lead into a bigger announcement. Something that we have been waiting months for. Months and months. Almost a year. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So stay tuned for that. So 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll be back here tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. But until then, everybody, have a great rest of the day. We'll see you at 1 p.m. Eastern for BTL and have a heck of a morning.